Hi, Milka. How are you doing today? Hi, Jesse. I'm doing good. How are you? It's good. Uh, it's been a week or so, yeah, of college and then taking classes. It's been really interesting, but also really busy. How about you? Yeah. yeah, same here. I started college on Monday, and I've been pretty busy with a lot of work and stuff. Hey, it's great to have you on my podcast, uh, especially making time for me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So uh, I think I feel like it's important to, I guess, provide a little bit more background information of who you are. So uh, can you explain more of yourself? So I uh, have uh, a disease called glaucoma. And what it does or what it did to my eyes is that it uh, basically um, worse, worsened my vision as I got older. And mm-hmm. uh, so in my right eye, I can only see light perception. And in my left eye, uh, I can see like shadows and objects, but like not very well. And uh, that's about it for now. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like my vision is more central. So is your like, is there certain spots within your vision that's like you can't really see? Because like for me, particularly, particularly, it's like towards the center that, it's it's not necessarily like a blind spot but it's like my whole vision like basically peripheral vision mm-hmm. uh i don't really have that like uh i can see like all around it's like pretty much the same all around oh uh, so it's like your peripheral and your central vision are kind of like yeah okay okay I, I got it because uh i have another friend who also has is it called rrt like retina I forgot. It's like the most common eye condition for... Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, but... Yeah, so basically he has splotches of his vision or spots in his vision that he can't really see well. Uh-huh. So uh, I was just really curious about that. And yeah, because everybody with, you know, who are who happen to be blind have really different types of, um, you know, conditions with the eye. So uh, with that out of the way, um, uh, how has college life been for you? Like, are you living in college right now at college? And what college do you go to, by the way? Oh, uh, so I go to the University of North Texas. And for this semester, I'm actually at home. So I didn't move up there because of COVID. But, you know. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, I'm living on campus. It's, uh, it's definitely experience. I would say, because yeah. like you get to meet, uh, they say that like college is like a melting pot of meeting a lot of different types of people. And yeah, uh, I had to go outside my comfort zone for sure to meet new friends. <laughs> it, it's really, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a really, you know, <laughs> putting yourself out there type of situation. But yeah, yeah. so um, I guess uh, let's, go to our first thing that we really want to talk about and which is band. I know that you were part of the band at I believe Allen High School, right? Yes. And uh, what instrument did you play? I played the trumpet. Oh, okay. So uh, recently, uh, actually like I think two weeks before I auditioned for the Texas Tech uh, band and then like somehow I made it, <laughs> even though there's like, I think 80% of the whole band is like, 
music majors and it's like really rare to have like non-majors like non-music majors inside the band so mm-hmm. i went there and then they gave me new music and i was like thinking a lot about you because you also play music and i was wondering like how do you read music because for me personally i have to like blow it up on my ipad like after taking a picture blow it up on my ipad and slowly scroll through each mm. measure <laughs> it's tough but so how do you do it uh so um I, back in uh freshman year i learned how to read braille music but braille music is like so underdeveloped like it only has the basics so i quickly like quit that and i oh. went on to uh learn how to play by ear and oh. i actually started learning that in middle school and i just uh practiced more and got better and so now I listen to recordings and uh, just listen for the trumpet part and I usually get the music down that way it takes a little bit but uh, that's the best way for me to learn oh yeah I've also tried to experiment with that but I've failed (laughs) so bad Uh, okay on one hand I don't know frail music since uh, you know my visions it it you know became bad fairly recently so my braille skills are mm-hmm. terrible and, <laughs> and uh yeah so so i tried to experiment with listening to music but it's been really hard i would you say that you're like more of an auditory learner rather than like visual learner uh it depends because i grew up more of a visual learner so it was kind of uh, hard to adapt to learning auditory but uh yeah um i mean uh with uh, music and stuff it's really easy because i took the time to practice uh listening to different songs and uh but what i started doing before i went on to songs is just uh listening to the different notes on the trumpet and i would like look for those sounds in the Mm. songs that i would listen to and learn that way it took a lot of practice. I started in seventh grade, so after uh, I wouldn't uh, say I got really good until probably junior year. It took some time. Yeah, uh, I you know it's such a hard process. I I still can't really grasp like the process that you have to go to like to uh, listen to a piece of music and then like play it again. Uh, there's also like. I've also like yeah. talked to my private lesson teacher and he said that like he doesn't like people doing that particularly because he'd rather have the person do the interpretation rather than listening to another person and uh, playing the music off of their interpretation. But uh, I've, given, I've given it a little bit more thought. I was like, if you listen to another person just for the notes and then afterwards you do your own interpretation of the music that might actually work so is that like what you do um yeah like when i uh with my private lesson teacher what we would do is that he would play the notes and uh i would play it back but um yeah that's uh that was kind of helpful uh but the reason why i liked uh listening to recordings of the songs and of was because um, if someone was just telling me the notes, I wouldn't know the rhythm or how long the notes were and stuff like that, If unless I listened to the recordings and stuff. Yeah, also with, uh, I mean, 
when it comes down to like phrasing and then dynamics and all of that it's it's so complex like music there's a lot that goes yeah, into it like especially it's such a visual type of art i mean all types of art are yeah. pretty visual but it's just like reading music there's something to like to it about like reading music but then like once you can't read music at all like you and me like once you can't read music there's so many different factors then you start to realize like yeah it's it's a lot yeah i remember i i'd rather i'd rather read music but you know i can't really do that so so like going back to your eye condition has it happened like since you were born or was it did it happen like fairly recently or recently uh i was born with it but my vision didn't start getting worse until i was in sixth grade yeah i saw something online about glaucoma having like it's like it can happen later in life, but it can also happen like when you're mm-hmm. really young, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is like such a weird question, but do glasses help you in some sort of way? Um, they used to. Not as much anymore since uh, I can't really see much. Uh, okay. That would, I guess, uh, help with, um, I would really need glasses to help with, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, and when you were part of band, were you part of the marching band? Yes. Oh, well, well, I'm kind of interested now because like marching band is like a whole different level on top of like, you know, knowing the music and then like actually marching. How, what was it like to do marching band? Uh, so at first it was, so freshman year, it was kind of hard because um, I no one really knew how, how to describe the the movements and like the technique with like your footsteps and stuff like that and so I just uh so I just went on and just asked questions like how do you do this and how is this it was kind of I could tell the people were kind of bored but I mean it really helped me so after uh freshman year I practiced a lot uh over the summer before summer band camp and I think and then I thought I got it down so uh but sophomore year, we got a new director, and it was uh, kind of a hassle getting him to let me march in the show. So I really had to work hard for that. And finally, junior year, I was able to uh, get a spot. But because I had never marched in the show before, uh, we had to think, how was I going to be able to do that? So we... Uh, decided my vision teacher and I or my teacher for the visually impaired and I decided that um, maybe getting like uh, someone in like the palace program or something to help because Mm -hmm. uh, the way we advertised it was people would get service hours if they helped (laughs) so uh, yeah so I got two people to help and what they would do is uh whenever we learned a new technique or something, they would describe it, but uh, my marching band director did a good job at describing things anyways, so I didn't really ask for them to help with that. So for the most part, what they really did was just put their hands on my shoulders and made sure I wasn't uh, veering too much to the right or to the left, Mm -hmm. and uh, just making sure I wasn't in people's way and stuff like that. But with like direction and with uh, how many steps were in, was in each set, and you know what was next and stuff. I would I would know all that 
because I would like memorize all that. But yeah. Yeah, I remember doing uh, marching band uh, up to tenth grade because I learned like after tenth grade I quit band and then like you know it was a coincidence mm-hmm. that during eleventh grade my eyes went bad. But anyways, yeah, yeah. marching band. I re- <laughs> I remember that it was like the practices were so long and I could only imagine that you had to practice even more than like what other people did. Right. It was a lot of practice. I mean, it, it's like such a good feeling, especially when you like do the show. I don't know. Do you get that feeling when you're like marching with other people and then like towards the end of the show, you know that you've just done something like extremely awesome with like, all these other people basically in sync and like making something like marching yeah i know that feeling i know what you're talking about yeah i know i know what you're talking about yeah i i got that feeling like almost every single time i went on to you know like a football game and then you know they do their show and everything but i got that Mm -hmm. feeling especially when i went to the alamo dome where there was like a marching competition there and then i think it was our last show Mm -hmm uh marching and then at towards the end i was like man this is like such a good feeling you know able to like do something as a team it's just like there's something to it rather than you know having accomplishment yeah uh with yourself rather you know there's something to like having accomplishment with a group so yes i like that feeling it's a really nice feeling so what is i would say one thing that you gained out of uh band in general uh so one thing i gained out of it was uh, self-advocacy that really helped improve my advocating skills and just uh putting myself out there and uh it also helped me with being like a better team player and uh with uh playing music by ear helped me like uh i guess be a better listener and Mm -hmm. like uh Usually, I would catch a lot of things that most people would miss. Yeah, like band. I think I met some of my best friends from band because from all that marching. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, all that time that you spend with them, like from marching band and just in band in general. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how was school like at Allen High School? It's like one of the most, I would say, most impressive high school that I've been to. Uh, just like walking around there and also the stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so going to school there is, um, it's all right. Because like, because it's such a huge school, a lot of the times you get overlooked. And um, their special services, like I guess everything besides sports and fine arts, it, it's not, it's not really good. <laughs> okay. And uh I mean, yeah, and uh, with the uh, teachers, a lot of the teachers have a hard time, like, uh, really getting to, like, from my experience, a lot of teachers didn't really know how to work with me, and instead of, like, uh, listening to what I have to say, what my uh, teacher of the visually impaired had to say, they would usually not do it, and it would kind of make things uh, harder, and all that, so... It was an all right experience and with uh travel wise there was like a lot of a lot of pillars everywhere and staircases was in the middle of the hallways in the main hallway at least in the close to the library and all that and 
you know, it's just a really visual building. So it's like, if you can't really see and it's like too late, then you like run into some stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I would say Plano East, uh, the high school that I go to is pretty big also, but yeah. uh, I don't think it's like as I would say attached and also like visually appealing as Allen High School. Uh, probably Allen High School is larger than Plumies, actually. I don't know, but yeah. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, I when I went there for my UI, what was it? Uh, all region band auditions one year. I saw like Cadillac. I was like, are you guys sponsored by anyone? Like a car company or something like that? <laughs> uh, not that I know of, but... I mean, there are people who have Teslas and all that stuff that drive up to their school. It's a lot. Okay, I was about to say that uh, I well, the time that I was part of marching band, so I don't mean to just go back to band, but uh, during marching band, uh, I went inside of Allen's, Allen High School Stadium, and then, like, I was just, like, mm-hmm. in awe because it was such a, like, beautiful stadium and so big. And I, I remember I looked... I was on a visitor side. I looked to my left and I saw like a, like a kind of a glass facility. And someone told me that it's like where all the athletes work out. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And then like, I remember looking at the home, the home side. And then I saw like all the years you guys like won state championships. In addition to that, it's like your band is so big that it covers like one fifth of that side of the stadium. Yeah, everything is big. Um, yeah, we have a, we do have an athletics facility. That's where we took our uh, band group photos every year because that was like one of the only places that could fit everyone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Allen High School gets so much news attention. Like, there's always like a group of well-known people at the school. Yeah, didn't like one of I think this guy's like uh, in the NFL right now. I think he's like the quarterback for, I believe. The oh yeah, Ari- Kyler Murray. Yeah, yeah. He went to your school, right? Yeah, he did. It's crazy. And then, like, didn't you guys like win all those state championships because of like he was on the team? Or- I think so. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, going back to school. This <laughs> is crazy, but you wouldn't say that your school is like really visual. I don't know how to say this, but visually impaired friendly like as in like you you mentioned like how stairs are in the middle of the hallways and it's just like sometimes confusing yeah it it can be and like the hallways get super crowded too during uh passing periods so it's best to leave your class early if you don't want to get stuck stuck in the crowd is it like that i'm just trying to imagine the crowd is it like to where it's like shoulder to shoulder like yeah it's like really hard to get around people sometimes uh, that's mostly in the main hall, but um, it's in the, uh, the smaller hallways too. But um, usually by the time the minute bell rings, everyone is gone. <laughs> I want to like talk more about like how, how did you get your accommodations during your time at school? Uh, because from my experience, I would say that like uh, during 11th grade, so initially when my eyes got bad, like nobody really knew exactly what you do. I was originally put under like 504 and then later on to special ed because they had like more uh, resources available. But then during 12th grade was when they like really, like we sat down and actually discussed what I needed. So um, I guess like give us, 
give the listeners kind of like a background or like a timeline of like what was the process like getting your accommodations for your classes okay so um i remember so i would have an evaluation every three years and uh my evaluation in sixth grade was the year when they added all my accommodations that i needed mm-hmm. to uh first to be successful school since that year was my first year uh being a braille reader and all that and uh as we went on i guess they uh just evaluated me and asked you know if this was good if this accommodation was uh necessary or if i sh- if i don't need it so my freshman year we updated some of it and like mostly what we added was just uh extra time or not extra time uh leave the class early because of the high school and uh if i was late uh the teachers would like uh have to be fine with that i guess and uh but besides that everything academically with like having uh notes and uh assignments and tests and braille and extra time on tests and all that pretty much changed all throughout or I mean was the same all throughout high school okay so uh did you sit in a room because from my experience I sat in a room with like uh one teacher um a person like tapping on the computer like taking notes and everything (laughs) and there was like the woman that you know just was in charge just like you know of the whole thing and then there were like my two um it was like my orientation mobility guy was there and then like also my vision teacher so my um uh teacher for the blind and impaired was there and also there was another woman there and then my dad so there's like i would say like seven ish eight ish people there in a, like a small room just discussing all my accommodations so what was it like the setting like you know, discussion, discussing all your accommodations. Oh, yeah. So what I would, so what we would do is that I would meet with my vision teacher, uh, uh, by our, like alone and just discuss stuff like that. And then with my O&M instructor, we met on our own time and did the same thing. And then I got evaluated by a diagnostician and we went over uh, accommodations and uh like what the vision, my vision teacher and my O&M instructor had told them. And once all of that was done, we had an ARD meeting and discussed the accommodations and what uh, the evaluation, like what they evaluated. And uh, once it was approved, then uh, the meeting was over and it was good. So. Okay. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the process of, you know, getting your accommodations is pretty interesting to me personally because uh, coming from not being blind to, you know, becoming blind. It's a huge contrast, I would say. And that brings me up, that brings up uh, a really interesting topic I really want to talk about. It's like, it's like, uh, oftentimes, you see like people in your class, like, I don't know it's, if it's the case for you. But sometimes when you get your accommodations, like people in your class might see you differently. I, w- I wouldn't say like they see you differently, like they don't see you differently or, uh, already with, you know, being blind and everything. But I would say like they see you differently in, in terms of you have accommodations such as more time in the test. And they, they see that as like, why can they get more time? You know, that's a little bit not fair. 
like how do you you know uh, juggle with that inside your mind um i didn't really have like i mean if people thought that i didn't really uh like know that but i had that feeling like i knew people would think that and stuff but um usually uh i think that you know uh i guess i i could see how people would see that being unfair but Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of fair because honestly like being able to see the test and stuff would help you like uh would help you um go through it much quicker as opposed to like being a braille reader and having to type it down on my computer and going back and forth so that takes much time so like extra time would be needed for stuff like that yeah so you did mention like everything takes more time i i think like in my all my episodes i've mentioned that uh being like a blind person everything takes more time and can you explain more like for example note taking like what what is your process of taking notes in class uh, so how I would take notes is um, I would ask for permission from my teachers if I could record the lecture or the lessons. And while I'm doing that, I would type down the important things that I would catch that I would that I found to be like uh, important to take note of. And once I get home, I would listen to the recording one more time just to see if I didn't miss anything important. And if I did, I would add it to what I had already previously typed down. Oh, okay. Well, uh, how many classes do you have? Like, how many classes did you have during high school? Uh, so my freshman year I had eight, and then sophomore year I had seven, and then junior and senior I had six. Okay, and each class is around 15 minutes, right? Uh, no, <laughs> it was about an hour and a half long because we had A day, B days schedule, a block schedule. So uh, our first and eighth periods, since we met every day, that was about 50 minutes long, but everything else was an hour and a half since we met every other day. Whoa. Okay. So one of the reasons why I don't really record my teachers is because uh, I have like seven classes. And if you do the math, that's like... <laughs> uh man i, I suck about that but 350 minutes of like them talking yeah. and then i'm like if i go back home and i listen to the recording and it's like that's like a lot of time out of my day just listening to the recording and then i'm like i don't i don't know that if i if recording my teacher is the best option because i might you know get more out of it where you know what you did like get the important information down, but also like if I talk to other people, then I get the other stuff that I don't, you know, that I'm missing. Oh. So yeah. uh, listening to recordings personally for me, I don't, I see the benefit of it because like, you know, your teachers are talking and that's the information, but it's just like <laughs> 350 minutes of listening back to the recordings. And sometimes you have to pause it, right? Yeah. So it becomes even longer. Mm-hmm. And so what, what's it like for you listening back to it and then taking notes again? Well, so, I mean, sometimes I, I get that. Like, sometimes I would just skip through and be like, oh, I can't listen to it anymore. But uh, for me, it's kind of different because I have my classes every other day. So I would have, like, extra time, I guess. So, like, I would have my, a math on an A day and then I have science on a B day. So on A day, I could do math stuff. And then on B day, I could do my science stuff. 
stuff like that. Oh, okay. Sorry. I uh, okay. Can you explain a little bit more of like how the A and B days block schedule works? Because my school just did all the classes on the same days, all all five days. There's the same. Yeah, I get that. We had that in middle school too. But so in high school, we had blocked schedules. So A days, we would have first, second, third, fourth, and eighth periods meet. And then on B days, we'd have first, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth periods meet. And uh, from sophomore year to senior year, you could have what's called off periods. So sophomore year, you could have one off period. In that year, mine was seventh period. So I didn't have a class from uh don't remember what time i think it was like 1 12 until 2 42 something like that on b days only so it was like it could be three days a week one week and then twice a week another week because it, a days and b days would alternate and then uh junior year I had two off periods senior year I had two so it was fourth and eighth so i didn't have an eighth period and uh so that means i didn't have a class every day from 2.45 until 3.35, so I could leave early. Oh. And then on A days, I could leave at 1.15 because I would be done by then. But on B days, I wouldn't be done until 2.45. Yeah, that type of schedule really models uh, what colleges do more, I feel like, because you don't have yeah. the same class every single day. And at some point, it did feel a little bit you know, exhausting like sometimes being burnt out by having that same class over and over again. So mm-hmm. yeah, like having that type of block schedule is, you know, pretty interesting. Like it's something new for me. Like <laughs> I think experience. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it took a while for me to get used to freshman year. Cause I was used to having all seven classes every day. Uh, at UNT, I haven't asked you, but what are you majoring in? Uh, so right now, my major is environmental science, but I'm thinking of changing that to psychology because I realized that environmental science is more of an interest of mine instead of something I actually want to major in. Okay. So what led you to change it to psychology? Uh, so I've always been interested in psychology and it just really fascinates me. And uh, I wanted to take a psychology course senior year but I didn't have enough room in my schedule mm-hmm. and I just did a lot of research about that over the summer and I just thought um, it would be something that I would really like to do so yeah okay yeah I would say there's like a lot of stuff you can do with a psychology major like for example counseling um analyzing different things so like what what can you take uh from this like you know majoring in psychology like what can you do as a job well so the side i'm interested in is on the research side because i'm like i really like research and enjoying research so uh i guess like i would probably do research like on the brain or something like that i'm not really exactly sure what yet but something in research okay yeah so Actually, that reminds me of something. So um, I think a week ago, I would say, yeah, before classes start, um, my friend and I, like, we went to, like, one of his things that he wanted to, uh, wanted to go to, and it was called iGEM. So basically, it's, like, a research type of club. And I was, like, 
I, you know, I would, I just tag along, but then like, I asked some questions like, Oh, so uh, what do you guys exactly do? And they're like, Oh, we do research. And then, and then it came back, it came down to like, um, something really interesting. It was, it was like reading literature, publishing stuff. And, and then I'm just interested, like, um, researching is a lot of reading and then, you know, also organizing all your information. Uh, so what, what would be your process of, you know, reading all of that literature and also like organizing in a manner where you can like quickly retrieve it for you to like, you know, come up with well-rounded conclusions. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I think so. So I guess like, I like to read a lot. So mm -hmm. that kind of helps. And I also like to write too. And uh, I guess what would help me organize it and stuff was, is, um, <clears throat> so I use, uh, you know, laptops. I have a MacBook and a Dell laptop. And so, uh, I mean, when I, uh, I guess I could just utilize that to um, write down or type down what I found and then. Um, just like in general, like if you were writing a paper at school, what, what, what did you do? Because I, I guess my process is just brute forcing it. It's not the best option, but it kind of worked for me. Uh, so, I mean, what I would do is I would go to like, I would go to Word and with typing papers, I would just, uh, you know, type, I guess just type out the paper. And then once I'm done with that, I would edit the, uh, or yeah, edit the format and like make it into MLA and all that or whatever format was required for that paper. And, you know, I would, uh, save it in uh, a folder in like whatever folder so in terms of research i guess i would save it in like a research a folder that's titled research that has all my research stuff on there and uh when it's time to turn it in or publish it or whatever i would you know do that so okay okay so um uh, what is like something that you're really passionate about like you feel like you could make a difference like as in like you could contribute to it to like I guess like change something or like see something get better or like what is one thing or like you know it, there might be a couple things but what is something that you're really passionate about uh something that I'm really passionate about is just like having a, a quality for like the visually almost the visually impaired community and stuff and instead of people having doubts on like what they can do, just let them show them like what they can do. And because, you know, we're all people and our blindness doesn't really define who we are. It's just like a part of us. So, yeah. And actually, um, I have another blind friend. He went to the Louisiana School of the Blind. And there there's like a instructor, or a mentor over there. And then his name is Eric glory sorry i'm mispronouncing it but his he's also a blind person and then he basically said that um yes like blind people in the blind community definitely should have equal opportunity but along with it there's also equal responsibility and i'm interested what what do you think of that uh what i think of that is that uh it is true that we do have to have like responsibility and like do our part once we do get the opportunity to uh do what we wanted to do and have the people uh 
give us a chance and stuff instead of just slacking off and just saying, oh, well, I got the opportunity to do it. So I don't really have to do my own work and like uh, doing that. So what is something that uh, you see is like really a really common misconception uh, about the blind community? Uh, something that I see a lot is, from my experience, is like how intelligent people can uh visually impaired people can be because a lot of the times with like teachers and friends and other people i've met they would like really doubt how much i actually knew and like all that i could do and um instead of like me doing something like oh i could do this for you i could pull this chair out for you i don't know if you know how to do that stuff like that (laughs) and uh yeah i don't really like that because you know it's not true uh visual impairment really all it really does is just uh mess with how much you can see and not really much else unless you have another disability yeah i see that because oftentimes uh of course people are going to have questions because uh you have something that they don't have i guess and it's not not really quantifiable like they don't really know what exactly is going on so for one, they ask a lot of questions. I don't know if the same ex- if if it's the same experience for you, but they definitely ask me a lot of questions. And and uh, with that, there's also like cases where people are, you know, they they try to go above and beyond, but oftentimes it's like it's something that I don't know if it like really reminds you that you're blind. If you know what I mean. Like with the case you said, like pulling out the chair because you might not see it. It kind of like for me, when I listen to that, it's like reminding you that you're blind. And it's not, it's like they're trying to, I'm not saying there's, they're a bad person, but it's like they're putting you in a spot where it doesn't seem normal. Like you're you're not considered like a normal person. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. I do have that feeling sometimes when that happens. Yeah, so from these, I guess, common misconceptions and then, you know, people put in a lot of assumptions because they don't really know what's it like having or being blind. And oftentimes it becomes like stigmas against the blind community. So Mm -hmm. what are, okay, you've been, I would say you've been blind for a longer period of time compared to me. I've been blind for like, two years two and a half years uh what are some like stigmas like just overarching stigmas or that like the people from the blind community face what i what i've seen that people have have, like had to face and stuff is uh i guess like what i've mostly seen like what i've said before is um basically just showing what you can do to others because people would just like not really give you that chance to do so and uh just not really understanding what people can do and yeah like that's pretty much it. because like uh i guess why i've noticed that a lot too is because alan is not really like known for having a lot of visually impaired students mm-hmm. so that contributed to that so yeah like that's when like people don't really understand what you're going through like it definitely makes it difficult and Another, like, stigma I've talked about, like, on this podcast is, like, how people, once you do stuff, like, once you're, I guess, awarded the opportunity of doing stuff, 
and once they realize that you can do it really well or like they they basically you exceed their expectations they say that wow a blind person just did that that's so awesome but the thing is that you didn't do it because uh, you're blind like meaning that you did you accomplished something like as a blind person you accomplished something and that's amazing it's not like that it's like the mentality should be more like you accomplish something based off of your abilities and then you happen to be blind and yeah yeah so what do you think about that like i've talked about this and i'm just like interested in like your thoughts on this yeah i actually uh got a lot of that um like all those comments and stuff when i was in band and in other clubs that i was a part of and my thoughts on that is that um I mean, I, I get it. I get what they mean by like, just wow, a blind person just did that. Like, and all that, it's, it's like, it's true. Like, I didn't really, I don't, I don't know how to put it in words, but like, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I just like really, I just agree with what you said. Yeah. Stuff. Cause it's not really your blindness that like makes you do that. Like, you're kind of just like everyone else. You just have to do it a little differently. Exactly. And, I would say both blind people and sighted people have a lot of similarities. For example, I guess it's really apparent inside the blind community that you get two types of people. You get the really self-motivated people and you also get the people that are just complacent where they are. And Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that you're, you're the self-motivated one. You really want to challenge yourself, uh, you know, with the fact that you're at college and, you're doing all this stuff like figuring out how to do band i would say you, you're like the you know self-motivated one but then you also see the reality with uh people who are not motivated and they're really complacent where they are and that's why it con- contributes to i guess the stigma that goes against the blind community as you know them being like um oftentimes like mean at sometimes because they're like really mad at other people because you know they're not blind and then i'm blind so they became they become be, okay they become mean towards like people who are sighted and then like also how like they're lazy like that's like types of feelings i feel like uh sometimes the sighted sighted people get from blind people and that really comes from like you know the people who are complacent like in the blind community and i would say that that also dries up the really uh, staggering statistic of, you know, having 70%, 70% of unemployment rate in, inside the blind community. I saw that stuff. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote a paper over that. Okay, I'm basically trying to say is that inside the sighted, uh, sighted people, like for sighted people, there's also two types of people, like the people who are motivated and then the people that are not motivated. So there's a lot of similarities that we share. And at the end of the day, I guess we're all humans and, you know, what, you yes. know, we bleed blood, the same color. <laughs> so, okay, I'm interested about your paper that you wrote about the 70% unemployment rate. Yeah, so, uh, so we had to do, so my um, English class last year, we had to do a research paper over any topic. And my research paper was over the visually impaired community in within that paper I wrote a lot about uh, my first topic was about accessibility and my second topic was about um, how it's like in the school and workplace like with uh, visually impaired people and uh, with um, how uh, sometimes uh, 
I don't know how to explain. I guess like sometimes, like I guess the um, the difficulties that people can face, and uh, how it is if you overcome that challenge. And my last part was over the the seventy percent unemployment rate. So for that particular part, what I wrote about was the types, like what you said, like there's two types of people in the the blind community and the sighted community. And so what I wrote in that was, um, so, so like, do you say more about like, uh, how the mentality of the people were like that? Yeah. Really drives that out. Yeah. I, I wrote about that. And then, oh yeah. I all wrote about how sometimes the workplace can also factor into that by like not having uh-huh. accessible, uh, materials that, maybe needed and you know how sometimes there just there's there can be discrimination against people with disabilities mm-hmm. and they might uh want someone who doesn't have a disability over someone who does yeah it's it's a tough reality like from a company standpoint i understand you're trying to hire the person that really brings in the most revenue to you but when you have to provide extra training for a particular person, it's tough from a company standpoint to see that also like ethically, if you combine those two, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I guess a remedy to that would be uh, to try to demystify the fact that uh, the people in the blind community are not able. I feel like we're, we're really able at doing a lot of stuff and it really comes down to, you know, uh, giving, I guess, providing the information or even like educating the people that, you know, we're not, we don't have, it's like we have the capacity of doing stuff. It's not like we don't have the capacity of doing anything. And I feel like yes. it, it comes down to like, you know, providing that information to everybody. And then if you look at um, kids, for example, why do like, uh, for example, uh, people, I guess like blind children, like why do you see them getting bullied a lot during when they're young, especially? And then how like uh, the kids are so mean to them. It's because that they see something that's not really out. It's, it's really out of the norm. Like it's not part of what they're used to. And that's why they always <laughs> point it out. And I don't know if that was the case with you, but uh that's what I've gathered so far from speaking a lot to uh, talking to a lot of uh, blind people when they were young. Yeah, it just uh, comes down to quell all of this, you know, blind people not being able. It, it really comes down to uh, telling them that we're able and uh, we do have the abilities of doing it. But sometimes it takes a little bit more time, but we still can, you know, finish something or even like make it even better. Like, uh, are there like are there cases where like they're like oh you can you should do this but then like you end up doing way better than uh, it would have been originally done by another person that you know isn't blind? Yeah, um, but in my case, it was mostly just exceeding the expectations the people had before I did it. So uh, that kind of didn't really uh, like that kind of like took the excitement away from it a little bit. But uh, to add on to what you were saying to that, the, what I was going to say was um, blind people, we are capable of like doing all that or almost all that sighted people can do. 
it's just like we need to have the opportunity to do it and yes there may be some people who um are like complicit and like don't want to do stuff or have less motivation than others but those people don't identify like the whole community yeah that's really beautifully put um i think we're nearing our end of our podcast and it was really a joy speaking to you i really like you uh, i really like having you on my podcast yeah yeah so uh have fun at college i guess and i don't know if unt is like (laughs) moving back in anytime soon but once you move in it's definitely a really cool experience i would say yeah i'm excited to uh just meet new people and make new friends and you know uh probably like uh change the mindset of some people who uh, don't think that visually impaired people can do uh, all that other people could do once I joined band and all that over there. That's awesome. All right. That's going to be a wrap.